Hey guys, and welcome to the Surf Coast Creatives Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Hucker. If this is your first time tuning into the pod, then we hope you enjoy today's episode. But what is this pod all about? Well, we tell the stories of doers, thinkers, and creatives on the Surf Coast in Australia. Why do we do it? Well, we think the coast is a melting pot of creative minds from the city, the country, and the coast, and we wanted to get their stories out there. Each episode is packed full of insight and a good dose of practical hints and tips from our guests. Our guest for this episode of the pod is Claire Summers from Gratitude Glass Jars. Claire created the Gratitude Glass Jar as a visual tool to help her heal after a particularly bad year a couple of years ago. Actually, to say the year 2017 was a bad year for Claire is probably an understatement. Claire, in fact, went through five distressing life events all within an eight-month period. She miscarried a dearly wanted baby. She nursed her father through terminal cancer and left what she now recognises as an abusive engagement and home. Following this, she struggled with depression, but was also acutely aware that she needs to give herself fertility options for the future. So a bit going on there. We won't give away too much or let Claire tell the story in full. Let's just say that Oprah got involved later on down the track. Yes, Oprah. It's a story of overcoming enormous hurdles to be true to yourself. And it's the reason why Claire is the woman she is today. She's got a fascinating story. It's a kind of a story of overcoming challenges and a story of business as well and creativity. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Episode number 41 of the Surf Coast Creators Podcast. Leave us a rating on iTunes after the show or better yet share this episode with one friend who you think might benefit that would really help us out once again i'm your host ben hucker this is episode number 41 of the surf coast creatives podcast enjoy well it's a very warm welcome to our guest for today's episode of the podcast welcome claire summers thank you for having me and i'm not lying when i say warm welcome because it's a beautiful warm day here on the surf coast we've got blue skies sunshine Compared to where we were this time last week, yes, we are now back in summer. <laughs> well, this time last year, do you mean? No, last, oh, last week. week. Yeah, yeah, it was cold, wasn't it? It was so, freezing. It was pretty cold. It's been a bit chilly in, in the mornings. I went for a ride this morning and, yeah, it was pretty chilly. Yeah, I typically warm up after about 10 minutes riding time, but today it didn't happen. <laughs> well, when you're pulling out your winter gear and you don't feel that summer has ended, it's not a good feeling. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. And in comparison to this time last year as well, mm. we're much better off. So. Absolutely. And I do. it's great to have you on the show today. I really appreciate your time. I do understand as well that you work North American hours, so we're quite lucky to have you out of bed and up and about. I do. I tend to come <laughs> alive at about any, past 11.30, 12 o'clock in the day. <laughs> it'd be nice if every day you could just wake up to those blue skies and sunshine. So. It would be. It is hard doing dual hours, especially living down here, because when the sun rises, you just want to go outside. You just That's want to true. be in the water. So, but you still need to sleep. Yeah, that is very true. Sleep is. Uh, I think we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. It's like the beginning, the middle, and the end of a good life. Absolutely, and I'm quite fond of a nana nap between yeah. the hours of about three to five. During the day. <laughs> oh, Jess is the same. I know that for a fact. And actually, speaking of Jess, so Jess is quite sick today. We, we had a corona test yes, yesterday for Jess. It's come up negative, thankfully, but she's still pretty groggy and she's got a migraine. So sadly, she not, couldn't be on this episode. So it's me and you, and I hope you enjoy it. We'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout out to Jess, who's sick in bed and hopefully better by the time this episode goes to air. But our first segment before we get into your epic story, Claire, amazing story, is called Breaking the Ice. We've got seven questions to get to know you a little bit better. Are you ready? I am. 
Question number one, where were you born and where did you grow up? I was born right in the middle of Geelong. G-Town girl. Yep, G-Town girl, born and bred, right in McKillop Street, right in the city. Oh, right in the Right, right in, the guts. in the heart of it. As yep. they say. <laughs> right in the guts of it. How was it growing up in Geelong? Uh, I gather you grew up there if you were born there. I did. I went to Geelong High School. Um, back then, as soon as I could, I ran from Geelong. I wanted to get out into the big, big, big wide world. Yep. And straight to Melbourne. And literally ran? Literally, I think. <laughs> the day you turned 18? <laughs> Gone. <laughs> out of there. Um, but in saying that now, I have such a beautiful appreciation for Geelong, especially living overseas. And I look at it through completely different eyes. And, you know, it is a, it's a beautiful city. It's grown into a beautiful city. Yeah, old Sleepy Hollow. It gets a bad rap sometimes. It's an industrial city down across from Melbourne. But, yeah, you're right. It's a beautiful city and it's come a long way in the last 20 years. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs and creative people down here that are doing their own thing, which didn't true. exist when I was there. You only went to work for Ford or Target or Deakin University. They were the three options. Yeah, most of those have gone too. Ford definitely gone. Exactly. It's We're actually funny driving past the old factory. I don't know what they're going to do with it or if they've done anything with it. But to see that giant factory where the Ford... Empire used to be based in Australia and completely empty. It's and everybody's crazy. family member worked there. So, yeah. Yeah. Like every yeah, every second family would have had someone working there. Absolutely. Something to do with it. So. Hence why I ran when I could. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to end up at the Ford factory? No, I had bigger ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> so Geelong girls through and through. Do you barrack for Geelong? Uh, my, the family home that I grew up in is literally two minutes walk to the stadium. So oh, yeah. I used to follow football, but I have to admit I really enjoy not having a conversation about football these days. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'm a massive Geelong supporter, but we'll leave that be for now. Well, <laughs> you're welcome to park in our car park anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll take you up on that because it's impossible to get a, a car park around the Cattery sometimes. They hold 30,000-odd people now at the stadium. Wow. That's Guild Stadium. So, Well, literally two-minute walk and you're there. Well, there you go. <laughs> have to get the pass off you after this. Uh, question number two. There's a couple of questions I threw in there. But question number two, your favourite activity to zone out? Anything in the water. I don't care what it is. Water is the place, so the ocean, is the place where I solve all of my problems as soon as I put my head in there. So, yeah, I chill out. Proper Geelong Surf Coast girl. Proper. Did you actually travel to the surf coast much as a kid? Yeah, we were very lucky. So we had a family shack down at Lawn. Oh, yep. And Lawn to me is my spiritual home. It's my mecca. Whenever, yep. you know, I just, as soon as I get down there, my head and my heart are aligned and any tension that I have disappears. Yep. So that's my favourite. I've, I've travelled the world now. That's my favourite place in the world still. And what sort of water activity are we talking here? Swimming, surfing? Oh, swimming, surfing, paddleboarding. Paddleboarding. We got a giant sup, that thirteen feet long. I do, but it's not a couch. <laughs> <laughs> I can do some moves on it, <laughs> but by all means, I say I paddle. When I say that I surf, I paddle. I try really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. It keeps you fit and healthy. It does. Did you, you get out sort of? I was going to say every day, but probably not possible with your business and. No, not every day, but life. I can actually feel it in your in your body when it's like, okay, I need to get back out in the water. And yep. I'm a Piscean as well, so I just think that I was born be to be water. a fish. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I get the same feeling with surfing a lot. 
if I haven't surfed for a week or so, then you really start to miss it and you miss that ocean water and, as you say, you, all your thoughts sort of come together in the ocean. I really missed it living in the U.S. because I'd have periods where we're completely in landlocked, like Las Vegas or Atlanta, and I'm like, where is the water? I need the water. So yeah, yeah. it sounds like two two keys for you: water and sleep. Yes, definitely. That's good. So question number three: a full time or part time creative? Full time. Full time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Judging by the sound of that, that sounds like 80 hour weeks, more. More. I literally, I'd never, and we can, we'll talk about it later, but I never planned for this to be a business or to, be, to become what it has. And I still struggled to call it a business, but it literally was overnight success. And there's a lot of maybe the last year of my, three years of my life, has all been dedicated to growing this growing this phenomenon that has come, this movement is what I call it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a beast, yeah. yeah. When it first took off, I had RSI in the wrist for six months because I, I really? was just constantly working on a laptop. Couldn't even hold a coffee cup. I was listening to one of your podcasts that you've done before this and it got to the story. I alluded before to Oprah being involved, so we'll come to that, but we'll leave it a mystery now for the guests, so you've got to keep tuning in and hear the full story, but... I think after we tell that story, people will understand why it took off overnight. Uh, question number four, are you a camper or grandpa? Ooh, I think I'm a bit of both. I'm definitely a bit of both. I've been camping for the last two nights basically in my own house whilst we fix, yeah. <laughs> fix the kitchen. Oh, you brought up the kitchen? <laughs> yeah, so around in the back grill just grilling away. But, no, I love anything in that outdoors. So, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, I don't mind a five-star hotel. Yep. But I'm easily happy to, you know, the rougher, sleep under the stars. Yep. So you take the van out and roll out the swag easily enough? Yeah. We, we hiked somewhere the other day, Mount Macedon, and we camped out there. It was absolutely beautiful. Oh, it's magnificent out there. I had a, yeah. a mountain bike race out there three weeks ago. and we, we didn't stay out there, but we drove up during the day and went for a bit of a walk afterward around Macedon. It's, it's magnificent. Just stunning. And the night, like the stars were out, the stars on the moon were out, there were no clouds in the skies. I was sleeping directly underneath that. So, oh, magnificent. Yeah. In addition to the odd five-star hotel. Actually, it's something we've never spoken about. People always say, oh, yeah, do a bit of glamping or camping, and no one's ever said, oh, I don't mind a five-star hotel as well. Well, when I used to work in corporate, I used to have some nice hotel experiences there. <laughs> but by the same token, like, I'm easy to rough it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. So question number five, your favourite TV series at the moment? So I don't watch a lot of TV. That's one thing. I definitely don't. But there was this brilliant series called Years and Years, which was on SBS, I think. And for anyone that is looking at the current state of the world that we're in, you need to watch it because it talks about the future and where we are headed if we don't pull our heads in. Right. And y- yeah. Years and years. Years and years. I recommend it to everybody. Brilliant show. So documentary or actual TV series? No, TV series. And they, you know, you think it's fiction, but you can see the reality of it happening and they look at what's going to happen in the next 10 years and then 10 years after that and the speed of the economy and damage that we're doing to the environment that sounds cool that sounds like my type of documentary you need to watch it and there's a it starts off in the opening scene and trump has just dropped an atom bomb in the north china sea oh yeah and that sets the tone for 
the politics all around it. So you can just imagine where the world could have been going if we still had somebody like him in power. Right. Mm. So does it come back to is it fictitious or is it like it's fictitious? This but is it, what may happen. It's what may happen. But it kind of is happening. Yeah, a futurist yeah. look at what might happen if we don't really take stock of what we're doing to this world. That sounds cool. So yeah. years and years. Years like and S- years. SBS. You'll love it. Don't even have to have Netflix or Stan uh-uh. or any of the other dozen platforms we've mentioned on the podcast. Mm-mm. Free to air TV, which is great. Yep. I think that they've even got a cool app you can use, don't they? SBS on demand. And they do. Get there. And I guarantee after anybody watches that, you'll be thanking me for it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I was just thinking about another doco I saw two nights ago. It's called Seaspiracy. Have you seen that one? No. It's kind of similar. It's kind of like if we don't stop, you know, commercial fishing, industrial fishing on the scale that we are right now, not saying we should end commercial fishing, but if we keep doing it on the scale that we are right now, mm-hmm. we're going to kill the ocean mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's a story for another day. But Seaspiracy, if you get a chance. I'll be looking at that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question number six. Your first place to go for coffee in Torquay. Oh. And you're a Torquay girl? Yeah, but I get around. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you've been to New York. You've been to North America. Yeah. You've lived in Melbourne. So this is – this if. Whoever you say right now, it's going to be a big plug. I would, I definitely get around to experience, but I would have to say that the Salty Dog does the best chai almond latte. Salty Dog that I've ever tasted. They come up over and over and over again. They're on good. They are good in terms of vibe, atmosphere, <laughs> yeah. taste of their coffee as well. Yeah. The only thing is, I go to cafes to work a lot because just to get outdoors and not stuck in the office. Yep. And it's the only thing there. It's too outdoorsy. So you need somewhere where you've got a bit of wind. But if I could take their chai almond latte and take it to another cafe, I'd be really happy. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. There you go. And you say you get around. Where else would you go? Uh, I go to Pond. I go yep. to Ginger Monkey. I go to wherever I'm driving past that looks like there's people that appreciate. Yeah. Their coffee. Yeah, their coffee. That's what's being in there. And the Whole Foods one as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, question number seven. Were you busy? I think we know the answer. Were you busy during COVID or flat? I was busy during COVID, but for all the wrong reasons. Okay. Which was, you know, it was sad. COVID hit for me when it was year three of my business. And, but, you know, year three is when you hope that you start to get a little bit of normalcy back and the profit's coming back in and you can keep recruiting and growing. Mm. And I was hitting all those targets and instead it went backwards, like literally dropped you know, 90% down. Really? Yeah. And it still has, has not recovered anywhere near what it was and okay. what it could be but when i say busy it was all for all the wrong reasons trying to you know funding to keep your staff on you know bank loan applications doing whatever you could do dealing with your suppliers and finance companies just to try a middle ground where you could you know see yourself through yep. for for that period and i would for my company which is predominantly based in the US where i have a lot of friends with similar companies, they had no government support. And I look at the support that we had through our Australian government and I'm just so proud. You know, they had faults in it, definite. I'm not saying it was the golden solution to everything, but at least I felt like I was supported Yeah. by my country wanting me to succeed and that got me through. So, yeah, we were busy. I was busy but for, yeah, scrambling. Trying to keep it together. Trying to keep it together, yeah. So it hasn't recovered. Recovered a little bit. 
just for our listeners, do you want to give us an idea of size and what you're dealing with in terms of team? Yeah, and so staff? when it first took off, it was just me. Yep. And then over the last three, three and a quarter years, got it up to four staff members that are all either in the US or Canada. And then now we're back down to 2.5. So I had to let some people go. Okay. So it's a small team, but doing a lot. Yeah, doing a lot. But within that team, we also, um, we have sales reps yep. that sell and market our product on the road. So we there's a team member that manages those relationships. And through that, we probably have a network of 120 people that are okay. selling our product day to day. So we still work with them and provide them with the tools and the information that they need, but we're not, they work directly with our customers. I like that you don't include them in your total staff count. No, well. Some, some companies do. <laughs> no. We've got uh, 10 full-time employees and a million salesmen. On the Anyone can have that. No. Contractors. <laughs> I think the first rule in business is you've got to keep it real. If you're not keeping it real to yourself, then you're headed for a fall. Well, we actually we use that as a quote, I think, for the episode. So you've got right. to keep it real. Yep. Otherwise, you're headed for a fall. Absolutely. I'm trying to remember that one. <laughs> uh, well, that's our Breaking the Ice segment out of the way so thanks for answering those questions but take us back you alluded to gratitude glass jars and some of your story in the intro to the podcast and i'm sure some people are familiar with your story but do you want to take us back i know it's probably a journey and but do you want to take us back to where it began in yeah. terms of gratitude glass jars definitely so i was here in australia and i was working in corporate and I went through a series of really traumatic events, one on top of the other. Mm-hmm. Like one would have been enough for a lifetime, let alone what ended up to be four on top. And the first one was it was the start of the year and I was pregnant and I went through a miscarriage. But I was also involved in a really unhealthy relationship. So I made the decision to leave that mm-hmm. and your home and start again and, you know, all the decisions that goes with that at the same time that I was nursing my dad through cancer. And he passed away during the middle of the year as well. So there was a lot going on. There was a lot of grief. There was a lot of loss. There was a lot of change. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, I look back at it now and I feel like that was my midlife crisis that was happening in my mid-30s, which I appreciate now because I think it's set me on a greater path for where in my future. Mm-hmm. Um, but then that wasn't all. So after all of that, that was in six months, I decided to go through the process of IVF to freeze my eggs. And that was month seven, and I nearly died through that so process. Had, just for our lessons, had your the toxic relationship that had passed, like he'd moved on and you were looking yes, at IVF? Yeah. So I, I realised a big part, and a lot of people feel this way, especially women, when the clock does strike. Mm. And I remember I was down here at the Aries Inlet Hotel in April, Easter weekend, and my clock struck. I'm like, nope, I definitely want to have children. And when I look back now, I wasn't in the right relationship to have that. And I think that was a major decision for me um, to stay in that relationship rather than having the courage to move on, even though I knew it wasn't right. So so you sought IVF treatment when you were still in a relationship? No, when I came out of that. Just came out. Yeah, because I realised that was what was keeping me in there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. and I needed to give myself some time to to heal and and to make healthier decisions back then because back then everything was still on top of each other. I wasn't thinking clearly. clearly. Um, you know, I was saying to you before, I felt like the brain only lets you process certain things at a certain time mm-hmm. rather than laying it all on top of you. I just remember that period being really cloudy. Yeah. Really, you know, you talk about being black or dark. It was just grey. I couldn't couldn't see any clear or clarity. 
during that situation. Um, so freezing my eggs to me was something that gave me some time and choice. So I went through the process and it was highly, highly successful, which led to me nearly passing away. Wow. So, so it worked. Like It worked. It's a super, super, super common condition called overstimulation syndrome. And uh-huh. most women, as you're going through it, will tick the box and it's a known risk. But in its severe, severe life-threatening form, it's very rare. And I can't, I think it's like 0.001% or something. And the last woman that had died of it was in the UK in 2006. Gosh. And you got this? I got this. So in 24 hours, I looked nine months pregnant and wow. it was all fluid. That was So my major um, organs were leaking into my cavity. Honestly looked nine months pregnant, couldn't breathe. It was all on my chest. The brain was starting to shut down. The kidneys were starting to shut down and stayed in hospital down here in Geelong in St. John of God's for... 11 days mm-hmm. and I don't remember much of that period except for like the ICU doctor screaming instructions and I remember thinking he had a Scottish accent so I was like oh I think he'd be cute <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one of the you know the memories of hospital do I remember a kilt or? no 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 kilt but I remember trying to look <laughs> and I don't think I could open my eyes <laughs> um so I went through that period and I remember during you know, like when you when you see that life could be stripped away from you very quickly, you have thoughts. And I had two really strong thoughts. That And the first was that I was there by myself. I didn't have a family around me. I didn't have that loving partner that I wanted and kids. I hadn't, start, I hadn't created mm. a family. Yeah. And the other was that even though on paper I've had a highly successful corporate career, I was never satisfied. Like I'd never found what my vocation was. Still, I'd always felt that I was here to give something great back and I hadn't found that. So, and there were two thoughts that stuck with me. Yeah. You know, when you're looking at life, they they were the ones that resonated with me. And then I came out from hospital and I took a month off work um, and that was when I started creating this beautiful thing called a gratitude glass jar. Mm Mm-hmm. And I did it at that point because the doctors, I was, I was severely depressed, but I was also in my mind beyond depression because I was in apathy. Like I didn't care if I lived or not. Really? Yeah. And that's, You're at that point. I was at that point. And that's even sadder. Like I didn't even have the energy to plot how I was going to end my life. Like that was, that to me was rough bottom. Like, and I was so nearly agoraphobic. I was waiting for the next thing to happen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to go outside and I was scared of people. And that also killed me. Like everything that I believed to be true, almost like a spiritual awakening, like I believe in karma, I believe in, you know, people positive and, you know, mm. by and large good. I just felt like all my beliefs had been ripped apart as well. So I was, I was at rock bottom. So the entire world basically caving in on you. Completely. And you can start to have those thoughts of being a victim and all the rest. I imagine that played a big part. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I've never been a victim. That's yep. something um, that's really – it's a real central belief of mine. You don't sit in victim. Yeah, you take ownership. You take ownership. Acceptance. And, yeah, and, and responsibility. Um, and I think when they – they my doctor suggested to put me on antidepressants, and that was probably – just talking to you about it's probably the reason why I came off them because you're not taking responsibility or yep. processing what has happened in yeah. an authentic way. 
And I don't criticise anyone for being on them because you need what you need at that time to see you through. So please, if anyone's listening to this, don't think the opposite, you know. They serve their purpose for the right people. Yeah, you got to find the tool that works for you. Um, And antidepressants weren't for me, Mm -hmm. so I took myself off them. And then people said to me, I will journal, gratitude journaling. And I didn't want to know how tragic my life had been. Like that was taking me further and further down. Like my life had been a degrade soap opera at that point. Like, <laughs> degrade. degrade soap opera. I'm like, there's nothing good here. Like it's going to be a scripture movie. Like, <laughs> so and, not, not even home and away? No, God, no. <laughs> Some American trash <laughs> would have picked it up and loved it. Um, but I remember that was making me even worse. Like, mm. you know, to give a visual, I just felt like I was spiraling down and down and down into this darkness. And that's when I had a very hard conversation with myself one night and I made the decision that every day I was going to write something short and sweet and beautiful to myself. And that, when I look back at the cards that I wrote, it might have been, hey, you ate yesterday, you know, well done, or, you know, you went outdoors, you slept, you know, like bare basics. Yeah, even something, something as simple as that, you ate yesterday. Yeah. And with a massive pat on the back and, you know, full of love for you for doing that. Yeah. Or I'd go outside and I saw a bird or, you know, favourite colour, the sky was shining. Like real, you know, real basic basic gratitude yeah. for what for what you have in your life. And I made a promise to do that morning and night. And I'm a firm believer of that and that was the tool that works for me because when you go to bed at night, that's when your mind is processing mm-hmm. a lot of what you have gone through. Even though you might not be doing it actively during the day, at night that is where your true brain is just trying to put everything into compartments. Mm-hmm. And I found that I needed a positive thought to think about before I went to bed to change that thought process from negative into positive. And then I reinforced it when I woke up in the next morning and I'd find something beautiful again. So it was a practice of retraining your brain to think beyond your present situation uh-huh. and to focus on what you're grateful for. I really like that, and that's so simple. Anyone can do that. Yeah. It's not like you have to lock yourself away and meditate for an hour. No. That's so simple. You can get up morning, evening, guys, girls, Yeah. write down something really simple. Yeah. And, and I start to change your, your thoughts and your, your behaviours and some of the, well, most importantly, your thought patterns. Yeah, and I'm all for meditation, something that I do often, or walking or something, but I think you've also got to find a spot where you're taking action. And you're not just sitting in the sitting in the negativity for so long mm-hmm. without finding just something small during the day to put that little you know baby step forward into what you're doing. And yeah, that was that was gratitude for me. And yeah. I designed a beautiful glass jar to put it in because I like beautiful things. And I'm, yeah. a, I'm a huge visual person. If I see something, I can't ignore it. And that was the tool that worked for me when I started to see my cards rise from one to five to ten to, you know, now a jar that was half full and growing. Yeah. I can't deny that. And it was sat by my bedside table. And it just, yeah, it gave me joy. And gratitude glass jars was born. It was. And I made them for me. Yeah. And I made them for friends. Yep. That's a key part to the story here <laughs> that we're going through difficult times. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the next part of this story is probably – is pretty juicy and yeah we talk about you doing it for you and your friends just before we go to that story so you basically do these uh little cards morning and, and evening you write something small on there so 
you basically go to the point where you fill it up. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do once it's full? You keep them or? So it comes with 365 cards. So there's oh. one for every day. Oh, yeah. And it's also like a cathartic practice. So it has this beautiful wooden lid, oh, yeah, like cool. a Scandinavian natural wooden lid. And so it's kind of sacred. You take sacred. it off. Yeah, it's in. a ritual. Yep. So it's, it really is a ritual. I talk about the things that I create now are tools to help you bring rituals into your life or to slow the pace down. So yep. you write something on the card and then you fold it over so it's private to you as well. Nobody needs to read it. It's just your thoughts on paper. Open up the lid, put it in the jar. And that, that becomes your daily practice. Oh, it becomes a habit. Yeah, and that's what builds your resilience as well. You yeah. Know? And I often talk about resilience and gratitude as building blocks. Mm. And that, once again, is a visual tool. The more that you can fill your cup with these small but beautiful things that you are truly grateful for, it builds your resilience so that when the next big wave comes or even smaller things, you're just stronger to be able to face that force. You start building up the evidence, basically. Yeah. That you are a strong person. Absolutely. You don't have to believe some of the stuff that's going through your head, which can be so hard to do. Absolutely. And you're having a shit day. Absolutely. And a big thing for me, and I really um, validate this, is when I had moments of doubt, I would reread the cards that I had written to myself. And that was nothing but validation that, you know, hey, you're doing good. Yeah. And once again, you know, that was a tool. I'd, I'd take them in my handbag. I'd took them on the plane with me. I, oh, yeah. Yeah, whenever I have a moment of doubt, I read back my cards. So you kind of grew that attachment to them mm-hmm. in a healthy way. Like they talk about attachment that's unhealthy, but that sounds like a healthy attachment. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Actually, I was reading a book called Atomic Habits. Have you read that? No. And that's it sounds like the perfect habit for creating a good habit in this case. So creating a good habit is making something obvious, making it attractive, making it easy, and then making it satisfying. Mm. It sounds like your gratitude glass jar ticks all four of those boxes. Absolutely. So it's, it's the perfect feel-good habit. It is, and that's, you know, it's the simp- It's not just a jar when people ask what it is. I'm like, it's the simplicity of the practice behind it. Mm. And I think that's, that's why it's resonated with people as well because we all work hectic lives. We've all got something going on. We're all consumed with media non-stop and information but this is a small thing that you're asked to write down every day to connect with yourself and that's the simplicity of it yeah it's very cool and i can't believe sales plummeted so much you know thinking about last year and the importance of gratitude in a especially in a year like we had last year i guess it was people spending habits and all the rest were different in australia compared to north america i mean we had a lot of government assistance and we, I think you spoke about this just briefly before, but yeah, it just sounds like there was no real support from US government. You know, was there job keeper, job seeker, and nothing like all that. those things that we had? Nothing like that. So many businesses failed. Yeah. Big tax write offs for renovating a house and all sorts of stuff. Mm. So there's very little support that way. But then that's where the business side comes into what I created. And I very much made the decision to go after, you know, to turn one product into a business over in the US. So it's it's a retail business. So we sell into stores. I didn't go direct to the consumer and, you know, market online and sell that way. So when stores were closing in the US, and oh, they still are, it. yeah, many are still closed. That's that's what caused. Has there been a transition time. since to online, more online? There has been. Yep. Yeah. But once again, it's I've been slowly building that 
that part of the business back up again because we were so heavily focused in stores. So, you know, COVID from a business perspective made so many companies pivot Mm. and it was the speed with which you could pivot, I think, that led to to your success. Absolutely, yeah. We've spoken to a lot of lifestyle brands on the surf coast who experienced a a, a complete, you know, redoubling of their revenue and business. Mm. And in your case, it, it fell quite a bit so it's interesting to see the contrast there and the mm. two geographies but so switching more to online and obviously you said just before you made them for yourself and for friends what happened then so <laughs> this is when <laughs> so this my is, world this changed this wasn't a business now it is yeah. what happened in between um so when i came out from hospital i was actually approached to go for a job over in us in for, in technology like completely different so working in silicon valley oh right yeah so by no means am I a glassware <laughs> manufacturer. I am now. But, um, so I was approached for the job and I went and I took it, but I was really fearful because I still was in a dark spot. Even the night before, I was actually walking down here at Torquay Beach and I went to basically say, like, you know, walk the beach and say, am I going to be doing this? And I decided I would. Got over there and very quickly started to get sexually harassed by my boss. So this was my year. And this was where I'm like, this is a brand new start for me. And I got angry. Like, I'm like, not not happening, not on my time. Yeah. And it was during that process that I went to a trade show in New York to honestly just get away and to have a, you know, a weekend away and see a girlfriend that I knew over there and have a cocktail and walk the High Line and yeah. have fun in New York, forget about what was happening to me Head on the West Mad- Coast. Madison Avenue or something. Absolutely. Forget, forget everything. Absolutely. You know, I'm overseas, I'm living this new life. And I decided to go to a trade show in New York and it's this huge trade show down at the Javits Centre and every big brand that you know is at this trade show. So you'd be walking past them and be Kate Spade and York Jensen and every oh, wow. every big brand goes to these trade shows. And I had a tiny, tiny little booth called Gratitude Glass Jars in the last aisle in the corner next to where the bins were and like <laughs> where a bar was where everybody was drowning their sorrows if they weren't having good sales. And it was just me, like naive Australian little old me. So you like where the batteries are in the supermarket. Completely, <laughs> completely, like in the corner where the dirt is. That was where I was. And still to this day, you know, something magical was sitting behind me and I won the award for the best new product at the show. Against all these amazing brands, like I was just blown away. Like we're talking hundreds of brands, or? hundreds of brands. These shows are huge. Yep, huge. New one, and I won. And they've got all their new products, and you know, just nuts. Still to this day, yeah, don't know. And then an hour later, this couple walked into my booth, and I honestly thought that they were a store, you know, mum and dad's store that were buying for their yeah. store to bring back home. And they sat in the booth and they were asking, they heard me talking to a customer and we were both crying because what I've created has the ability to bring yeah. out your emotions. And we were having a lovely conversation about life. And and this, I actually said to the guy, I'll take a seat, buddy, you look exhausted. And I had no idea that that is Oprah's two I see <laughs> that picks her favourite things for Christmas. Everybody else around me knew who they were and was watching what was happening and I had no idea. I think my naivety really like got, got me a lot of rewards with them. 
How did it? What did he say? No press two I see. Well, they didn't. They didn't let anything. They didn't give anything away until right at the end. So they yeah. were asking me so many questions, and I started thinking something's going on here. It's not just uh, how much are they? What are they for? Like yeah. so many questions. And then at the end, like poker face, they just handed me a card and they said, do you mind dropping one off at our office later that night? And I was like, okay, okay. They walked away and I flipped it over and it was the Oprah logo. Oh, wow. And I literally lost it. Lost it. <laughs> Absolutely lost it. And everybody that was next to me in the booths came running over going, oh, my God. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and they asked me to drop one off at her office that night. I'm like, yeah, of course I am. So I left early and I... Uh, I walked up 45 um, streets in New York as well because, at, like, I love being outdoors. Yeah. And I really wanted – I was all about my fitness and having been really sick, I was really about my fitness and being outdoors. And Yeah. So I walked all those flights up to the top of Manhattan and I bought a gift bag up there and I wrote her a card and I went to the offices and I dropped it in. Wow. And Did then, you get to meet her? No, not then. Yep. Not then. So I just dropped it off to the reception area. And then two weeks later, I got a phone call from that same gentleman called Adam, and he said, are you prepared? I'm like, no, not at all, not at all. He's like, you are her favourite, favourite, favourite thing. She loves, loves, loves the gratitude glass jar. You need to get prepared. I'm like, Adam, I've done like 300 of these. Like, that's 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 it. it. And he thought I had deep stock and I was a business. (laughs) I'm like, no. So I hung up the phone and that night I booked a flight to China. That go, night? That night. You just formed decision. Yeah, I had nine weeks to make this a reality. Yep. So August was the trade show. September I got the, the call saying, hey, get prepared. You had to land the stock by mid-October for, for sale on November 4th. Wow. Now, there's not a lot of time there. <laughs> and I, at this point, had never met my glass blower in China. I had had my wooden lids made from these old guys down at Bernie in Tasmania who was down there on a trip once, and I just really loved what they were doing. And I rang them up to ask if they could do wooden lids, and they're like, no. <laughs> can you do about a million? Yeah, exactly. They're, they're wood turners. They're like, no, we're not going to be doing that. So I flew to China. To this day, I still don't know where I was in China. I was going to say, do you know where you were going? No idea. In China? No idea. It was me and my active wear landing into China with potential, and then walking into a warehouse where there were 20 men just staring at me going, who is this Who is this woman? And I sat there and I watched every single one get hand-blown because they're all hand-blown and bespoke pieces. And I want to keep it that way. It's not a mass production line because part of – the design is that I think that we're all unique and then they have blemishes and they have faults in them and I think that's what human nature is, so I really want to keep that. So I was over in China. I sat there watching them all get hand-blown. My print got burnt in a factory fire and had to be reprinted. If it wasn't for the fact that I was there, I wouldn't have seen in the office that they all printed it back to front, <laughs> so it had to get reprinted again. How did they not pick up on that? I guess English is second language. Yeah, so yeah. That's the same with us with Chinese. Absolutely. There were some language barriers. Yeah. Uh, my bank account got hacked, 25000 US dollars. Wow. And I... So there's good stuff happening and kind of really bad stuff. Yeah, like it, it wasn't a smooth ride. <laughs> like everything was still going wrong. <laughs> and I put every single dollar that I owned... At that time, into making this work. So I put it all on black. And I don't – I've always been somebody that's taken risks. 
I probably would have still done that regardless of having nearly, you know, lost your life mid that year. But there was just something within me that was like, this is, just doesn't happen all the time. You that know, is like, nuts. What I've gone through is supposed to be for something. That's what I thought at the time. So I put it all in black. I'm keen to hear the back half of this story, but we've got a brand new sponsor for the podcast called Maxstead Clothing. So just a quick message from our new sponsor. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this episode of the Surf Coast Creators Podcast. We just got a quick message from our brand new sponsor, Maxstead Clothing, courtesy of founder Caroline Tickle. Here's Caroline. Hi guys. We sell effortless essential knitwear for women and we're based here on the Surf Coast in Victoria. To celebrate the start of our knitwear season, we're giving away a weekend at 19W Barwin Heads. It's luxury apartments which accommodates up to four people and we shot a lot of our content at this location. It's absolutely stunning. So for your chance to win a weekend away here, just jump online, visit our website, maxdidclothing.com and follow the instructions. There you go, guys. Check the show notes for more details. Sounds like a cool competition. Get yourself a weekend away in Bowen Heads. And if you'd like to know more about the story of Max Dead Clothing, then make sure you tune in to Episode 9 of the Surf Coast Creators Podcast. We interviewed Caroline way back when we started the pod last year in May. So if you're into retail, fashion, e-commerce, then... It's a, it's a great story. I think Caroline at the time was actually working part-time and on the business and working full-time Monday to Friday in a full-time job. So that is not the case anymore. She's now working full-time on Maxdeg Clothing and she's stocked in over 60-plus retailers nationwide. So been a lot of progress since we last spoke, but it's still a fascinating story of entrepreneurship and, you know, having a crack, basically. So tune in for episode number nine. Otherwise, get yourself in the running for that competition and a weekend away down at Bowen Heads. More details in the show notes and also maxdeadclothing.com. Otherwise, back to today's episode. So, Claire, it sounds like just an epic story. And just for our listeners to clarify, this is all in the same year when everything else is yep. going wrong at the start of the year. Yep. This is happening at the end of the year. Yep. And did you have any like contractual obligations with Oprah or did you sign anything before you went and put all your life savings into this and got yeah. hacked, lost 20 grand? And Everything's a secret. So you can't, t- it's like fight club. Oh. You can't tell anyone that you're in the club, but you are, if you're in her list, it wow. is secret squirrel. So you're signing NDAs. If there's a mention that, that you're in it, you're out. Wow. That's how cutthroat they are. Cause it's a big secret and a big reveal and something that everybody looks forward to every year. So, so you basically had a gagging order not to say anything about actually the manufacturers. Were they asking questions or? They had no idea who Oprah was. All right. That's the other thing you're trying to explain. (laughs) This is a big thing. And they're like, what? No, Oprah. No idea. Who Oprah? (laughs) Who Oprah? Um, But the other thing is there's no guaranteed results if you're in this. Mm. Um, Like you take the risk and it's all sold through Amazon. So there's no, you know, they don't give you a nice purchase order and say, here you go. That's, you know, and you design and produce for that. You don't know if it's going to be successful or if it's not. So. And at at a bare minimum, do they say we will... 100% 100% feature this product because we love it so much. Or well, not even that. So I'd only been told that I'm her favourite, favourite, favourite thing. And I thought for him to give me that phone call was something that doesn't normally happen. Yeah. So at that point I knew I was in with a good shot that she did really, really like it. But there's no certainty. And as the date was approaching, well, there's no certainty when I put all my money into it to make it something. 
Um, but as the date was approaching, they started saying, look, you're going to be in E-News, it'll be on the Today Show, it'll go live at 6am on NBC, like, you know, you're her favourite thing. Yeah. So I had a running list of what I was supposed to be appearing in that morning and I yep. flew from China straight into New York and at this point I had my return ticket home and I had two nights accommodation booked, paid for, and then heading back home to Australia if it all failed. Right. And I woke up like a kid on Christmas Day expecting that my little beautiful glass jar was going to be mentioned in all this whole running sheet and there was not one mention oh. of the gratitude glass jar. Not one at all. It was all the stuff that they were giving out. It's like height, like cut price sales. and So not one mention of the glass. And I'm consoling myself to some degree right now thinking, what have I done? I remember thinking, bugger it, I'm just going to go to the event that was that night. I'm going to look pretty. I'm still going to go and get my hair done. Yep. Like, so I jumped <laughs> in the shower. My kid, you know, it was like 16 past 11. My laptop just went nuts. Like it was like a gaming machine, nuts. It was just email, <laughs> it was sale coming in after sale all through Amazon. And I wow. couldn't even touch my laptop without, you know, oh, I okay. couldn't, it wouldn't even register a key. <laughs> and I, at this point I was happy. I was yeah. like, something's working here. So I went to the hairdressers, got a phone call from Adam at 3, 3.30 that afternoon. He said, do you know what's happened? And I went, pretty sure. Something. Something. <laughs> it's like you're the number one selling product from her list. Oh, wow. And I was sold out day one. And they hadn't just, even launched or sold out. Oh, my God. Mm. So they eventually got the word out for your product. How come you weren't mentioned initially? Well, they all focused on the things that they were giving away at half okay. price, like all the sales and the yeah. specials. And then it wasn't – then we went and we had the media launch that night and that yep. was in Manhattan and that's when I got to meet Oprah. Wow. And I went in there once it was just me and I was at the back with my phone. I wanted to take a selfie because I could see that they'd wrapped up my gift. And I looked down on the counter and they had the running sheet and it had Oprah, Jin, her book, Gratitude Glass Jar. And I shat myself at that point. I'm like, something <laughs> big, is, big, big, big is going to happen here. And like clockwork, Oprah walked in. We all did a shot of gin with each other. And the night just started and then she started talking about this, the gratitude glass jar and how much gratitude means to her. And then wow. Adam and Gail said, oh, but Oprah, there's a beautiful story that goes along with this. You know, where's Claire? And Adam remembered the story that he'd overheard in the booth that day when he found me and just told everybody why I created it. And all the media were in the room there. and That's crazy. It was just nuts. And then I got invited up on stage and... And even back to the trade show, like what made you go to that trade show? I still to this day don't know. I will never just, be able to tell you that. And then got a seat in the back corner and... I just felt like I just knew I had something. Mm. That's the only way I describe it and that's what to me I felt. When people hear the story and what happens, it's a wonderful story but I've, the proudest thing that I have is that I felt gratitude and belief in what I was doing before all of this happened. And I think that's what drove me to the trade shows. And then next minute, meeting Oprah. Did you have a chat with her one-on-one? -on -one? We did. What's she like? I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I give this analogy because people seem to get it, right? It's like the mothership. You just gravitate towards this woman. You're powerless to it. Yeah. <laughs> just like on this conveyor about being dragged. She's beautiful. She gives out so much energy. And you just want to sit underneath her underarm. Yeah. I just want to be told the world's going to be okay. Like that's, like an auntie. Yeah, like an auntie. And I found them humble, honest, 
like no no degree of pretentiousness yep. with them at all. And I think that's that's their magic behind what they do as well. And I think that's why the gratitude glass jar resonated so well with them too. Oh, she's always been known for that, hasn't she? Mm. So being very grateful, very humble. She came from very humble beginnings. Absolutely. Put up with a lot of crap. I exactly. think she started out as a, a news reporter, was yeah. it? Yeah. And just made her way up the ranks. And, yeah, it's an incredible story. She has a wonderful story. You know, she came from, you know, a difficult childhood, yeah. severely difficult childhood That's and right. made her life into what she, what she is and yeah i my one regret is that i didn't thank her on stage for gratitude because i didn't have the best childhood either but i remember watching oprah when i was going through university and i'd come down every day to watch it and i learned this concept of gratitude through her all right she gave me the word for what i felt yeah yeah that's cool. I'd love to get Oprah on the podcast someday and have a chat about her story. <laughs> That's amazing. So basically you packed up, went to China. You, I gather you got everything in order within nine, 11 weeks. Yeah, ran late. Everything ran was late. running late. So Got the labels on the right side. All on the right side. but for the, the right way. They didn't get into Amazon for like – so we had more – product coming in which is good so when it sold out we had more coming in but the first 3,000 units I had to manually fulfill oh god with orders and labels and it was me in a hotel room oh. like for maybe two weeks the light that you know daytime would come up and would go down and I'd feel my eyes go into REM sleep but I still oh. couldn't sleep I just had to punch it out and, and get it all done got it done fulfilled the orders with the orders coming in from all over the world uh, no, mainly through America because it was all through American Amazon. But by the yep. same token, it had all these people saying, hey, we want your product and we are all over the world. Yeah. Well, there's Amazon Australia, Amazon exactly. Norway, Amazon Netherlands. Yeah. So. And plus I'd just gone to a trade show and had these nice customers that wanted my product. Yeah. Now I couldn't fulfill for anyone. So I had a business on my hand. Actually, it's probably lucky you were restricted to North America. Mm. You would have lost it. Uh, you couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you went on. To- I gather it's, it, it's well, apart from last year, the challenges of 2020 and COVID and all the rest, it's been a pretty successful business for you. Yeah, it has. But I deliberately made the decision after all that success because because of that feeling that I felt. Like I felt like I created something that was going to be more than a product but a vocation. Yep. Um, and I decided to make it into a business. So from one product, we now have 60 products all right. in the range um, that all – I described them as tools that help you to connect with yourself in different ways. So are we talking different types of glass jars? Expanded. So there's different yeah. types of glass jars. My favourite is now let it go. So after you learn gratitude and the practice of gratitude, you really learn to let a lot of other stuff just disappear uh-huh. that you don't care about. So that's the jar where you put it into the jar and then you just let it go. Right. Um, but then there's. You throw it in the ocean and let it sail off. Some people will have bonfires <laughs> or smash it. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever you need. <laughs> Keep it safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a 30 day Kickstarter range in there as well. Because right. sometimes a lot of people would say to me, well, how do you, what if you don't know what gratitude is? And I found that really foreign. So I've written 30 days to get you into a grateful mind or to get you into expressing kindness or love or compassion. So I see that's one question I wanted to um, ask at the beginning of the, the podcast. When you started talking about gratitude, how long does it typically take to kick in? Because people probably sit there thinking, oh, if I just write down stuff on a piece of paper, I mean, that's not going to work. But you do it enough times and it does. There is the belief, and it's backed by research, that's saying like 30 days of doing a habit 
will make it part of your psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree with that, especially when it comes to fitness. I yeah. think if you can get through that first 30-day fitness, you know, make sure that you do something every day, it's just part of your nature now. Yeah. And I think that way with the mind as well. So the mind to me is just another major organ and suffers from the same complications that the rest of the body does, but you've got to actively work with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do believe in 30 days. I remember for me when I was really, really deep down, you know, in, in that hole, I remember it being at the six-month mark and I'd just come off the dance floor with some girlfriends. <laughs> I just remember I was starting to feel joy again, like pure, just moments of joy. It might not last the whole time, but I, I saw happiness and smiles come back. That's brilliant. To me. I remember my mum also said, oh, you sang today as you were working. I was like, oh, she hadn't, she hadn't heard me sing for, you know, six months. So, Forever. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And you just touched on family there. So you're close with your mum? Very close to my mum. You say your childhood wasn't the greatest. Were you allowed to talk about that? Or? Yeah, definitely. So I, my dad was a paranoid schizophrenic. Okay. So we grew up in a home with a severe mental illness uh-huh. and we supported him through that. This was known at the time? It was known, but this is, you know, another thing that I'm really adamant about. It wasn't talked about. Yep. Not in that generation. You didn't Very talk. Very yeah, Absolutely. You didn't. Especially schizophrenia. Absolutely. And that is still the mental illness that people don't talk about. You know, we now talk about bipolar and, mm. you know, everything, but it's still that, that one that people don't talk about. Mm. And it is so common. It's ridiculous. And so that's, you know, that's my personal mission in life as well. Um, and one thing that I want to do through gratitude when it gets to that point is I actually want to start a foundation for children that have grown up in the environment to know that it's not their fault and to also know that it's just not normal. You know, I never had an, a comparison back then. So yeah. I'd see these strange behaviours and, you know, ways of living and that was what I thought was normal. Normal. So you took a lot of the blame basically uh, for Absolutely, yeah. especially being the youngest, you yep. know, in the nuclear family for you. I think you always grow up going, is it my fault? what's happened so large part of my life has been feeling that way which is just totally incorrect totally yeah and that led you on a path to corporate success and all the rest and I know you had a big sort of moment I think it was back in Melbourne wasn't it that you realized it wasn't fulfilling you and Mm. driving you in the wrong direction plus relationship troubles and all the rest so what other big things were there for you in terms of you know when you were chasing that corporate success I think back... Things I, getting in the way, basically, of your happiness. Well, when I look back and I read, you know, the biographies of people that we deem to be successful, they've all come from difficult childhoods. Yep. And you're all chasing, as I was, something which in my case was dad's validation, you know, or dad's love. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people like me that, you know, how you measure success is very different, but I feel now I'm successful. Because I felt like I've overcome those that feeling of having to chase that down. And the sad thing was when I realised that my dad was passing away, like I always had that love. It was always there, you know. Um, I think with schizophrenia, you don't have those moments of clarity. And I saw clarity come through, you know, in his final words. And that was beautiful to hear. But I think it's that that makes you go out and you chase, you know, the corporate path or you chase things that you think are successful, which really, in my mind, they never were. You know? Yeah. Having a having a great job and, you know, all the things that come with that, 
if it doesn't bring you joy, then you know you got to define what what is your version of success. Absolutely, you yeah. got to stick to it, don't yeah. you? Regardless of what people say. Yeah, and I think the earlier that you know what that is and you're strong with your values, that is that to me is where the world starts to align itself uh-huh. in this process of flow, you know, and things coming to you. And when you say about what possessed me to go to a trade show in New York, I think I actually hit that spot of flow where I was just really strong in in my values and what I believed in and my sense of self and that I was developing something that gave people joy. Yeah, some people say luck, but you were kind of almost kind of destiny, wasn't it? Putting the right vibes out there and things happened. Yeah, I feel that way. I do feel that way. Well, that's brilliant. Hats off to you for finding a way and I gather you still have your challenges. Everyone does. So it's not all, you know, roses and all the rest, but you've got this tool, this awesome tool to help you get through the days definitely and i you know that's the other thing like life will continually bring you yeah. lemons like <laughs> it's your choice whether or not you want to make lemonade out of it yeah and that, from, that's another good quote well and from a business sense i've just actually met somebody down here that's turning into more of a mentor <coughs> and he runs a very successful business as well and he said you know his biggest key learning was that you have to appreciate that business is whitewater you never if you choose to be in business for yourself you're always going to be in white water. It's never going to be smooth sailing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So if you come to business with that sense, then it does allow you to just see, you know, what, what ebbs and flows. It's just, yeah, I'll overcome that. That's know, a great I'll way to look that. at it. Because, mm. yeah, it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to have challenges. Absolutely. Even and Google, Facebook and all those successful companies, they've had their challenges too. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I'm so anti-social media. Yeah. Like I, my business is on social media, yes, but we – we present authenticity behind, you know, the images and the stories that we share. But when you are on social media, especially if you're young and you see these beautifully curated lives of success and beauty and, like, that's not the real world. Yeah, you think that's it. It's not. And it just isn't. No one's life really is like that. And even if they do present that way, they're going through their own challenges Yeah. at the same time. So It's probably been the biggest thing doing the podcast because we see some of these accounts of, the guests that come on, like yourself and others, uh, big fashion retailers and e-commerce, and we just think, wow, they're going to give us an hour of their time. Like, this is going to be crazy. And you meet them, and they're just normal human beings. Yeah. Like, they yeah. have very successful businesses. They've found a way. Yeah. But they have everyday challenges just like the rest of us. And I think it comes down to what we said at the start as well. Like, if you're in business, you've got to be honest with yourself. Like, you can't falsify your results. You can't. Yeah. You know, if something comes this way, you got to deal with it. If you want to, if you want to get over it, you got to deal with it. So there's another good quote. Yeah, it's two and a half staff versus 125. <laughs> so that's being real, being true. You sound like a busy lady still, and obviously working North American hours. I gather the business is growing slowly in Australia. Do you have any? We like to give some practical hints and tips on with regard to apps and software. Do you have any favorite apps to keep you on track during the day? No, not really. Nothing very, really stands out. No. Do you know what, the beauty behind what I love? Um, things are automated, definitely. So not ignorant to that. And I've got a tech background. So I've automated everything that I possibly can. But what I actually love about what I've created is it's all about writing it down mm-hmm. and remembering things. Now, I, do, I get a lot of great joy each day through writing down my little to-do list. Again, so, you know, you can have an app that tells you what you need to do and all that. But for me, that's how I learn. If I write it down, it's going to get done. 
Yep. So, and it's having a global team as well that all work remotely. We have our shared platforms, you know, that we talk through and all that, but mostly it's pick up the phone and have the conversation, even though we're in different time zones. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the, that's what I want to create behind this sort of defying the norm on. It's know. going back to that basics of human connection, isn't it? Rather yeah. than, you know, the endless e- email chain, get yeah. on the phone, sort out things over the phone. Mm-hmm. Or as you say, you can write something down. We actually spoke about it on our last episode as well with Ray Bishop from Surfing Life magazine, who's the owner of Surfing Life. He spoke about the power of print and magazines mm. and, you know, Generation Y called the end of print magazines. But Surfing Life still sells. Yeah. It sells by the truckload. Yeah. Because there's something visceral about touching that, touching and feeling and smelling that magazine when it comes out. Absolutely. Bi-monthly. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I and agree same with, with your gratitude notes. You're touching it, you're feeling it, you get mm-hmm. the pen out. Mm-hmm. Making those strokes. Writing is such a forgotten skill, isn't it? It is. And the, there's so much power that comes from seeing your own written word. You know, I'll still pull out a card from a year, two years ago. I'm like, wow, did I write that? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and also, you know, having lost a dad. Yeah. When you when you see somebody's written words themselves, you know, they, they've gone now. Their physical body's gone. Yeah. But that's a nice memento. memento to have. And I think a lot with the jars that are still in that collection and, you know, they're yours to keep forever. So yeah, that, you, they'll always be with you. Yeah, that is very cool. I can see why it's been such a popular product. Does Oprah still use it? Do you know? I know it's in her house in Santa Barbara. Yeah, you've seen photos? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Do you get to the point where you just stuck them up and you can have, you know, 2020, 2019, 2018 and... We have a box for that. All right. <laughs> Yeah, so that you can keep your cards. That's cool. Because another thing is I'm a big believer in the environment too, so I don't want to see, you know, a new jar being bought every year by the same family. So oh. we provide all the tools that you can continue continuing yeah. to just use that same piece. I hadn't really thought of the sustainability side of the business, so you basically encourage people to buy new cards each year mm-hmm. rather than a new glass jar. Yeah. Hopefully it hasn't been smashed or... There are, well, it's glassware. If I could go back in time, I often say, like, why didn't I create, like, clothing or baby clothes that you just wrap up and not worry <laughs> if they get broken on the way? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. And, well, Claire, we talk about a lot of challenges. I think we've spoken about enough of your challenges. So that mm. was 2017. All mm. of those things happened in your life. We ask our guests what their biggest challenge has been. Have you got a biggest challenge from all those? Or they were all kind of pretty even in your mind you talk about a dark cloudy year no they were all even the biggest challenge and it's probably i get asked a lot in podcasts um or interviews like who do you admire and i don't grab like gravitate towards a you know celebrity or somebody whose name you might know i you know i admire people that have gone through such difficult times that have the capacity to get up and do it again you know like to continually just know that you deserve better and to put yourself into a better position mm-hmm. like they're my heroes and i think that to me is this situation i was in it wasn't just the one event or anything but the biggest challenge was putting it all in one bucket and just trying to come back you know strive to get out of that back into you know enjoying and living life so yeah it wasn't just one event it was all of them but finding yourself again within that is something that and not just finding yourself but really loving and appreciating yourself and who you have in your life 
is something that nobody can ever take away from you, regardless of what then comes as your next challenge. Yep. You've hit that spot where you're just so grateful for what you have. I think that's great advice. Now, another one of our questions is who inspires you and why? But it sounds like it's like the point you want to get across is, you know, focusing on yourself is okay and that can you can be the person you admire yeah. in a nice way. Yeah, in a, ni- in a nice way. But it's also, you know, having the courage to share your stories. You know, I, I love connecting with people that tell me their stories. Like I walk away on cloud nine when I hear of somebody, you know, that's gone through something and gone on to thrive. That's what brings me joy now when I connect people together or, yeah, you know, the, the groups that I now move within, that they're people that are really lived life and continually living life. And Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. We organised our first coffee meet two weeks ago and that's where we met you. Yeah. And after the event, we read up more on your story. I think I knew roughly you know, little bits of your story before the coffee meet, but I knew you were coming and... Hey, you found us, I don't know. But, yeah, that's the power of connection and meeting new people and creating those networks. Yeah, and hats off to you guys for doing it because I was trying to find yeah. a tribe <laughs> down there that, you know, spoke the same language. And Yeah, it was so cool creative. to see you there. And it was such a mix of creatives that morning too. Mm. We had about a dozen people there meeting for coffee. Mm-hmm. Actually, our next coffee will be April 15th, so this episode will be out early April. But, yeah, the next coffee meet. April 15th, I hope you can make it again. It'll be I great to be see there. you there. So. I'm sure the volume will double. There'll be yeah, yeah. <laughs> more people there. I'm not sure if Mark Latworthy would be happy with that from Ocean Grimes, <laughs> but he said just keep the numbers, you know, reasonable. <laughs> uh, Claire, your best piece of advice for budding creatives? You owe it to yourself to try. I like that. Yeah. Nice and succinct. Yeah. I think if you think that you have talent, skill, something bubbling within inside of you that you think is going to make a difference in the world or bring people joy or, you know, it's going to create something, then you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. Yep. Like don't sit back and regret and say, you know, something I say in my life, I never want to say coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yep. You know, on my deathbed when it comes, I don't want to say, gosh, should have made jars, yeah. Like, <laughs> like I did, and I went after it, you know. So I really think, if you, yeah, if you've got a great idea, you owe it to yourself to try. I like that. We've just started our new mini masterclasses. We introduced them last week on social media. We're doing a mini masterclass with our prior guests. So our first mini masterclass is on with a, a very, very good ocean photographer, mm. fine art ocean photographer called Tal Lemons, who was actually at the coffee. You probably met him. And... We're talking about how to get your images printed, framed, and sold. So mm. it's a really specific topic. So it's probably not in the interests of many of our listeners, but it will be for many, many beginner and amateur photographers mm. who want to get their stuff printed and framed, which is actually quite difficult, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of getting ahead of the queue with, with framers and other things. So lots of issues there. But yeah, we we've been sitting on that idea for quite a while, and we got to the point where we're like, we've got to do this. Yeah, and I think. Those stories will help other people understand that you can do it. Yeah. You know, like if I look back, I used to think, oh, this is too hard and that, but how do you mm. do this? And I'm like, yeah, of course you do that. Of course you find a way. You pick up the phone, you ask somebody, you, you know. Other people, other people have done what you've done already. It's my theory as well. Yeah. But you're not out there creating something from scratch, you know, in, yeah. to a degree. So there's always somebody out there that can tell you how they did it. Yeah, and I've seen that with many masterclasses. I've seen 
Skillshare and Creative Live and other platforms that have had a lot of success with mini masterclasses. And I'm part of our thinking as well, if they can do it, we can do it too. Mm. And we're going to do it live on Zoom and do it really interactive and lots of Q&A. So it should be a lot of fun. Beautiful. More details on our website though. But Claire, unbelievable story. I, I think we, we covered a lot there in the last three years and also growing up in Geelong as well. So thanks for being so transparent and open. Where can we continue to follow your story and keep track of what you're up to? Well, actually, the glass jar, the Gratitude glass jar, is available here in Australia at gratitudeglassjars.com.au. Uh-huh. And for everybody in the Surf Coast as well, you don't know Ocean Mind. Um, so we donate $5 from every jar that gets sold in the region to Ocean Mind to encouraging children and like youth to get out there and out into the ocean. Okay. Um, and for also people that come that are listening to the podcast as well, it's also free shipping if they'd like to get a jar down cool. in the local area. So. And you can just buy them off your website directly. Yeah. But head to the Australian website, not the US <laughs> website. <laughs> Otherwise, be shipped off and. Yeah, remember the .au. Be <laughs> <laughs> kept in San Diego Bay indefinitely. No, oh, don't talk to me about shipping. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Claire, it's been amazing to chat with you. That's only a short podcast, but we've packed a lot in there. So I hope people enjoyed today's episode. I think there's a lot of value in in that episode. With it's probably our second episode, kind of targeted at mental health, and it's good to come at it from a male's perspective i know you've done a lot of podcasts with females so it's been great chatting with you and we wish you all the best for the rest of 2021 and we'll see you for coffee in a couple of weeks thank you i really enjoyed this